Welcome to Writing It, a podcast by Ed Adams. The Square, episode 15, a novel by Ed Adams. Unstable. Back at the Al Akram industrial site in London, Mehdi Akram was shaking his head. Those delivery drivers, Alan and Dave, were duped by the UK government forces. The last biopen vial was handed over to the UK instead of to us. Do you want us to fix them? asked Ali Yassim. Mehdi Akram replied, Ordinarily, I would say yes, but I don't want to draw any unnecessary attention to ourselves. We should put the missing vial down to a cost of war and let the two drivers go. Let's face it, they've only made half their money and we have nearly all of the biopen vials. The biopens each had a small glass window at the top, which started a clear green colour. On a few of the containers, it was beginning to change to a yellow-green colour. It is the start of the decay process of the biopen content, said Mediacrum. Normally these pens should last for several years, but it can only mean that the handling has been compromised. Gali Yassim asked, does that affect their usefulness? There's a significant safety margin built into the warning display. They should be good for several months beyond their decay point. Even so, it will be harder to shift them if they look defective, said Firas Belhassan. Maybe I can rig the warning lights, said Firas Belhassan. Let me have a try. He opened it cautiously. Gali said, just don't be pressing the release mechanism. The pen should only be used against the neurotoxin. In concentration, it is also virulent. Firas gingerly did things to the biopen VL and made the light reset to green. See, I can short-circuit the detection circuit. Let's do it on the rest. Ach, he announced, I've tripped the mechanism on this one. It had accidentally released some of the antidote onto his skin. He wiped it off with his hand and continued, and he continued the process with the second box of biopens. As he finished, he looked back towards his hand. A large blister was forming where the antidote had struck. He could see it was tracing the arteries in his arm. Mediacrum looked over. Firas Belhassan, my friend. I think you have been infected. Infected with the antidote. Without anything to work against, I fear it is unstoppable. Truck 2 Major Garcia Ramirez was thinking about Truck 2. For the Israelis to have tracked the first truck, they must have known its whereabouts. The strike was cleanly executed and precise. It implied that there was either excellent intelligence about the truck's movements, or more likely that there was a tracker of some kind on the vehicle. If so, then who would place it there? The Americans? Unlikely, or he'd already know about the device. The British? Possibly. They were taking control of the toxin at its destination. The Egyptians? Unlikely. They would also be unable to keep the information secure. The Israelis? They would need the transmitter to be able to locate the truck from the helicopter. In all probability, the British had supplied the Israelis with the tracker code. Ramirez would need to be onto his contacts in both UK and Israel. They would certainly deny it, but he had something he thought that they would need, his silence over the first mission. He put through a call to London. He could be blatant. It would be a shorter route to the people who knew anything. Dorothy entered Rolp at Alford's office. I have a major Ramirez on the phone for you, she said. It seems to be something about that happened in Cairo. It's come through on a diplomatic line. You best put him through, answered Robert Alton. Robert Alton queried Ramirez. I think we need to talk. On what matter, asked Alton. 
the stealth Israeli helicopter which the Brits gave a precision tracker code and which blew up a tanker in transit across the desert, bluffed Ramirez. I have pictures, he lied. Just supposing that were true, why take so long to come through to us? asked Alton, unrattled. I assume you want something. Correct, said Ramirez. You'll know that there are two trucks on the loose. One has been found and dealt with, the other one is still out there. And why would I be interested in that? asked Alton. You'd want to know that the neurotoxin was safe on its transit from Tel Aviv to Porton Down, bluffed Ramirez. Oh, yes, I see what you're speculating, said Alton. I don't suppose it had occurred to you that the original munition was developed in the United States at the Edgewood Chemical Biological Center? Ramirez was taken aback. He had heard of Edgewood in Maryland, but didn't know it was capable of nerve agent development. Maybe Alton was also bluffing. Full disclosure, asked Alton. Okay, said Ramirez. What you said has a semblance of truth about it, answered Alton. You did provide the codes to the Israelis, answered Ramirez. Let's understand how we got to this position. America developed the neurotoxin against international agreements and then shipped some of it to the Saudi desert, where you put it into storage at an Air Force base. Then you sent some more to Tel Aviv for further refinement. The Tel Aviv samples went rogue and wiped out a lab. You asked for the toxin to be destroyed, as well as for a small sample to be kept, and started the movement towards Porton Down, UK. That's consistent with what I know, bluffed Ramirez. Did you know that Al Akhtar found out about the shipment and were planning to intercept and steal it? asked Alford. They've already stolen the biopens, which contain an antidote for the nerve agent. If they get the container with the second batch, they will have a complete neurotoxin kit, except for one thing. They also need the code to arm the neurotoxin. Ramirez said, You'll have to explain that last part to me. Well, the neurotoxin can't be shipped in a primed state. Instead, there's a two-part container with the bulk of the reactant in one compartment, but a smaller internal container which has to be digitally activated by a code. Okay, said Ramirez, I'll level with you. We're only interested in the truck at the moment, the one with the containers. We want to destroy it and the containers of nerve gas, much like the Israelis did with the first truck. Yes, well, that's the challenge, said Alton. The trackers have gone dark. Since when? Since about two hours after the first truck was destroyed. Okay, so you must know the other truck's approximate route. Yes, it was headed across mainland Europe. It was in Turkey when we last had access. I'll guess the route then, said Ramirez. Ankara, Istanbul, Sofia, Belgrade, Vienna, Frankfurt, Cologne, Brussels, Calais. How can you know that? asked Alton. Satnav replied Ramirez. Think about it. A truck driver wants to take the shortest or speediest route to the UK. He'll dial it up on Google or Satnav. It's effective too because we need a roadblock to stop it rather than a missile strike on those busy roads. Alton paused. Ramirez had made a good point. But we don't know where the truck is, nor do we have its coordinates. Agreed, but we know where when it's stopped and where. The NSA has a great little phone signal tracker. RTLS, real-time locating system. We should be able to tie down the phone at the last point of contact and see where it pops up along again on the route. Aren't those things illegal, asked Alton? Only if you get caught, replied Ramirez. And let's face it, this is for the greater good. Now, I still need those codes from you, asked Ramirez. Okay, but we must work together on this one, said Alton. Ramirez had a plan. He called NSA and they traced the phone signal from the driver of the second truck. To Alton's surprise, it had traversed Europe in the last couple of days and made its way into the UK via the Channel Tunnel. Along the way, the truck had stopped near Ashford, and from other phone signals, it looked as if there had been several extra people involved. 
Ramirez looked at the additional identities which his NSA system had picked up. He had several additional numbers which he decided to share with Richard Alton. You are good, said Alton. We found a couple of SI6 phones in amongst all those other numbers. He looked more carefully, realising his own phone was listed, but then he noticed something odd. One of the phones listed was the contact number for Karen Martin. Alton decided to keep this information to himself. That's incredible, thought Alton, just over two days by road from Israel to the UK, intercepted and let go by us, and yet now the truck is parked somewhere around Birmingham.